You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 31 of Teach Better Talk. I am Ray Hewart, but you already know that, and I'm with the great and wonderful and incredible and very handsome Jeff Vargas. <laughs> wow, you kind of piled it on. Did you do something wrong? Is that what you, you felt you had to make up for with those three? Actually, I'm just really excited because <laughs> we have one of my favorite educators. I know I've said that before, but she is a mentor. She is just... She's the girl I call when I need to talk about education. She is so wonderful. I'm so excited to have this educator on. But before I spoil all the fun, Jeff, we can first ask you how you're doing. I am doing fantastic. Now I'm super excited. I mean, I already was because Barb's amazing. But now like that you're so excited, I get more excited. So like this is just going to be good stuff. So so we have the one and only Barb Baker on with us tonight. And um a wealth of experience, 20 years experience teaching. She's taught a lot of different stuff. So she currently teaches seventh grade language arts, but she's done third grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. She's done library media. She's been a, an instructional coach. She's had so many cool experiences and done so many cool things that I can't wait to dive into her head a little bit tonight. Uh, Barb, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us and hang out and share your stories and share some of the wisdom that you've gained over the, all your, your career. We really appreciate you coming on and and spending some time with us. How are you feeling right now? Great. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Absolutely. No, we have so much fun in store, Barb. I'm so thrilled that you were a part of our podcast tonight. But before we get into the nitty gritty and all the great stories that I know you have, I know Jeff gave you a little introduction, but I'd love to hear some more about you. When people come and approach you, I mean, how do you even describe all that you've been able to do in your career? Um, I, I just feel really blessed to wake up each day and be a part of um, education. Uh, I tell people that I educate seventh graders and that I'm passionate about it. Uh, I'm fortunate to to do something I love every day and hope that um, I make an impact. You know, sometimes you don't find out until a little bit later, but the reward daily from just going in and things like that is in itself a blessing. Uh, but that's basically what I say. I'm just very blessed to be able to do what I love every day. I love it. Let's talk about it. Let's dive into the so 20, 20 years in, in education, a lot of experience, a lot of different areas there. Um, I'm sure you've got a lot of stories. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to share a story with us about a time that you've failed. So we've had a fail. And it doesn't have to be a massive thing. It could be any kind of failure you want. But can you tell us about what happened, why it was a failure, um, how it made you feel, how you overcame it, and then what you took away from that? Sure. Um, I think back to when I taught sixth grade physical science and I was um, covering the metric system and I was teaching them a mnemonic device and I was telling them that I was going to teach it in a manner that went from smallest to largest in units of measurement. And um, I actually did it largest to smallest and I didn't realize it until we were making conversions on paper with actual labs and things. And Oh, I was mortified. I was absolutely embarrassed. Students were coming up with these weird answers. I'm like, no, that's not right. That's not right. And then they would say it back to me. We'd learned it. We would chant it, cheer it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I taught you the wrong, you know, I was like going in the wrong direction, basically. Um, And so I'm really hard on myself. Um, 
pretty critical of uh, reflection on pieces when I teach or what's going on. But even as far back in my career as when this happened, um, it stands out as a as a moment where I took the opportunity to be honest with students and say, I messed up. <laughs> we need to go in this direction. Um, students were a little leery, but I think along the way they learned that, oh, we all make mistakes. We're human and let's learn from it. Um, and even as I get older, I mean, if I feel because I tend to take a risk and jump in, um, now I'm more comfortable with saying to students, I'm so excited. We're going to try something new today. It might not go well. It may be <laughs> successful. Let's just try it, you know? And, but back then I was too afraid to admit it. And I think you learn some of those things as you, um, go along the way, but, um, it gets easier. I think as I'm older, because I'm okay with learning as I go. So if I make a mistake because I dove right in, the students and I can kind of learn together. And then I think it sets this comfortability inside the learning environment where students will say, you know what, it's okay if I fail too. We'll risk it together. We'll learn together. So um, yeah, that was one that comes to mind because I just remember how I felt that I'd lost their trust, that they didn't know what I, you know, they thought, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> and um, it was hard. I was really hard on myself. But in the end, it turned out, and, and they still, I, I see that group of students, they still talk about it. So I know it was profound because they were like, remember when? So, um, but yeah, I think we all sort of experience different at different times and different parts of our lives, some failure and how you choose to overcome it is important. And I chose to be honest and say, look, we, you know, I made a mistake. We need to do this instead. And what a what an important lesson for them, not just in their education, but in their life journey of of get into that point now that you're to the point also where it's just a thing in your classroom now where it's okay if I fail. It's all right if I make these mistakes because now I get an opportunity to learn. Now it's okay because my teacher fails too. And this right. we're not like this pedestal thing where teachers never fail. They are human. They're like me. I can learn and do this. And that's such a crucial, crucial lesson. Um, again, not just in their educational journey, but just in their life journey in general. So really great story. So now let's let's flip it around. Let's talk about a success that you've had. And this can be something that's a, a big, big or small or somewhere in the middle. But tell us what happened and why was it success for you? And then what did you take away from that experience? Um, I... When I was evaluated, I didn't have students, uh, one of the first times, um, they were noticing that I tend to direct students' goals, and I tend to, um, it was very controlled in terms of of how I kind of ran the classroom and set goals for students. And so one of the things I was like, okay, I got to let go. I got to talk to them and see if they can do this. So our district uses a Scantron um, test for like our district assessment. We take it three times a year. And so I decided that students would graph it. And we graphed the first one sort of as a benchmark. And then I would talk to them and I would break the information down in the data to show them areas in which we could grow. And then as a group and in many lessons and small group, et cetera. And one of the areas of weakness was vocabulary, kind of as a whole. And so we worked really hard. I set out to change that. I purchased a ton of resources, went to workshops, gathered books, talked to colleagues, searched Twitter, did anything I could to help them achieve that. And they set tiny goals and I was impressed that they knew what I was talking about. Um, and so by the second, second assessment in the year, which was kind of around winter, um, they showed a 2% growth 
which was amazing and for three-fourths of my students. And I, I was just so proud. We we celebrated. They'd set the goal. They made the goal. So there was some investment in their own um, you know, stakes and their own goals and their own future, whereas instead I'm always the one kind of guiding that. So it felt good to give up some of that ownership to them instead of me trying to control it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just saw the payoff was like huge because they were even more invested when they set the goal instead of me trying to kind of plan and navigate, they were a part of that process. So um, that was really rewarding to see them invested individually and then wanting to do even more. I mean, they even meet the expectation and then hire, you know, and I just was like, wow, I had no idea that they would individually care to do that. And they did. They they totally wanted to work for it and then some. And so I was I was really proud that I gave that up and they were successful. Um, and it's not really that I taught, I guess I taught them how to set small term goals, long term goals, uh, which is beneficial in life too. So it, it, it turned out really well. And I was afraid to let go of that. I wanted to navigate and control all of that. And it's like, oh, they, they can do it. <laughs> it's amazing when you give, <laughs> when you give them that, you know, that opportunity. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. You know, Barb, one thing I've always loved about the way you teach and just the culture and feel of your classroom is that, well, especially for all of our listeners out there, our educator listeners out there, Barb is a teacher that has a great idea for a lesson. It's completely student focused. You engage all your students constantly. It's really relevant to the content. And then she takes it one step further. She is constantly upping her game. I you must never get bored because no lesson is the same. You are constantly reflecting and enhancing your practice. And being able to work with someone like you was so inspirational because, I mean, when I when I decided to leave the building where we were working together, one of my biggest, saddest moments was realizing that I wouldn't be able to learn right next to you because there was so much innovation and student focus engagement happening in your classroom that it continued to get me excited to come to work. It continued to get me excited about education. And so just to throw that kind of question back at you, what is continuously getting you excited about education right now or what's going on in our field? I I love um, constantly doing like room transformations and finding current trends with students, not only in pop culture or something they're interested in. Uh, For example, something fun I just did was Stranger Things. My seventh graders are totally into this series. And so I took a trip down to um, Universal and they did a haunted house. So I went in there and got all these ideas for a great room transformation, brought stuff back. And then I thought, how can I get it into my content? And one of the games they play is Dungeons and Dragons. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to change that. We were reading um, The Outsiders. So it was Soches versus Greasers uh, (laughs) with content, you know, but still played in somewhat the form of Dungeons and Dragons. And just trying to, I think what I love is the constant, like you had mentioned, change. I always want to be fresh innovative, try new things, um, get new ideas from current pop culture, from what my students are interested in to keep the engagement piece um, and push myself so that I don't become stagnant. So I'm always excited when there's something new that isn't out there yet, but I want to attempt it. So if kids are into something, uh, Fortnite was something they're big into with this Mm. video gaming. And so, um, they like breakouts and I've always done a physical breakout, but this time I did it 
electronically, digitally for uh, Fortnite. I found some pieces and put it together and just even putting Fortnite on the board had them so intrigued, you know, so if you can kind of stay on trend with them and keep, and I, I've never played the game to be honest, but um, <laughs> you know, if you try to investigate and get some information and I'm always excited when a new book comes out by somebody that I've followed and I want to learn what they're doing. And I, I just think it's important that you don't stop learning as an educator. And I'm always excited to get new ideas to try and new trends that kids are into um, because otherwise it can become very much stagnant. And I think part of becoming a learner yourself is to throw yourself into new ideas and, and try new things to keep on top of it. Well, and you also want to keep them a little bit on their toes, right? I mean, doing the classroom transformations is such an easy way. For those teachers that are into that, I know we've written some blogs on this, but classroom transformations are just keeping those kids on your toes. They don't know what they're walking into. It has a really purposeful um, element to adding to the content for that day or maybe even that week. I mean, geez, you're someone who brought a tiger into your classroom. Come on. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, our attendance is another issue too. So like you just said, not telling them, but keeping the unexpected. Um, some of my students will say, you just never know what she's going to do tomorrow. Um, that's important that they want to come to see what's going to happen tomorrow and what what's, what's going to be in the room. Yeah, I've brought in uh, various animals when I taught science and I still do it with language arts and um, we'll do research on them. And the fact that they get to interact with the animal is just so much more um, of a memory for them to make this magical moment than just going to a zoo and looking through the glass or, you know, through a fence. And um, to this day, students still talk about that. And I, I think those are impactful things to do, you know, make things happen that are, are magical and memorable for students. You know, Barb, I didn't even pet the tiger and I still talk about that. I mean, every time it's on Facebook, it's like the time the tiger comes or the alligator or, oh my gosh, if you out there listening can think of an animal, it's been in Barb's classroom. Like, it's, it's so cool. I wait for that post every year being like, oh, it's animal day. You know, like she finds some way to tie it into content. I love it. Can I, can I ask Barb? I want to interject. I just need to, out of pure curiosity, this has nothing to, like, there's no significance to my question, but when you did the Fortnite did you incorporate the dances? And the students wanted me to. So those were a little <laughs> bit of the hints. So if a student or a group needed hints, because like if you do um, a breakout and kids need hints or clues, uh -huh. I give them cards. Like when we did a Stranger Thing breakout, um, they had to say things like Justice for Barb or, you know, they just had little chants and then that sure. would say they needed the clue. So they had to do different dances. Yes. And they, my students love that. We try to incorporate music. And so that's how I included it in terms of a hint or a clue. My son is just constantly showing me the new Fortnite <laughs> dance he figured out or can do. And, and then my, my, now he's seven, my daughter who's four then tries to do them and it's just adorable. Oh. Um, so I, I had to ask. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, what's up? It's Jeff. Don't worry, we're going to get right back to the episode, but I really want to check out and make sure that you are connected with us on social media. Ray and I and the entire Teach Better team want to connect with you. We want to hear your stories. We want to be a part of your journey. We want to be there to support you in any way we can, and we want to learn and grow with you. So please connect with us. Everything we have is at Teach Better Team. And then, of course, make sure you connect with me at Jeff Gargas and Ray at Ray Hewitt. Let's get back to the episode. I have to also add one element you touched on earlier was the the 
purposeful opportunity to encourage your students to come to school. I think that's so important. I know schools around the country continue to have problems with absences and how do we get students in the door and whether it be transportation or something in between, we really need to keep them in our schools. And and whether it be classroom transformations, if that's your thing, or my students, I know Barb and I kind of learned about this together and have implemented it um, in different ways, but we do houses. Our students are sorted into houses, which we've completely stole from the Ron Clark Academy, which is an incredible place, which it with has a thousand ideas that you can go implement tomorrow in your classroom. We're both big fans. But the house system, we have a student this year who is absent consistently. I mean, this student probably makes it to school maybe once a week, but do you want to know what day that student's always there? When we have our house meetings. Every single house meeting, he's never missed one. And so whether that be the reason you come to school, those opportunities to really show students that you're not only working on content, but you're working on growing them as people and building relationships, that's how we keep our students in the door. Absolutely. That's so key. That was a... um you know, one of the things that we started doing at Lombard too was door greeters and students would be um, at each door that kids come in in the morning and greet. And so after reading um, The Wild Card by Hope and Wade King, it talks about being the wild card and doing things unexpected once in a while. And so a colleague that I talked into, uh, Jennifer Young, my other seventh grade languagers, teacher. I said, hey, let's go to lunch one time and surprise students sit at the table. Well, now kind of once in a while, we will be a door greeter and students ask what day because they want to know so that they can either get the hug or the handshake or the high five. And so, you know, sometimes just doing that even is enough for a student to want to come because they want to see you. They want to engage with you in some capacity, whether it be at lunch or like you said, that relationship is so key um, in, in helping students want to come every day just so that they can be a part of, of the houses or be a part of something that's going on in your classroom and things like that. Jeff, I think we need to go to Lombard and get a hug. I know. That's that's I'm, like. Like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm like re-enrolling in school just to go to Barb's class. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, Barb, one of the questions I'm really excited to ask you about throughout this podcast was your advice for teachers. And of course, this hits close to home because I really felt like I started my career learning from you. And even though I know we're far away now, uh, there's still so many opportunities, whether it be connecting on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, that I'm constantly upping my game. I mean, truly, and I know that I talk about this to you and you get all, you know, your face gets red and you don't believe me, but truly every time I'm able to bump into you at a conference, we just bumped into each other about a month ago. I mean, I leave our conversation saying, gosh, I gotta be better. I gotta be more like Bart Baker. I mean, it's such a, Big deal. So what are some of your suggestions for new teachers out there that just need to keep the innovation going? I think one of the hardest things that I still struggle with, and I I think it's important even as I get older, is that balance between work and personal. Um, I always choose work, and I still do. I think it's because it's my passion and I love it. But you need to take care of yourself along the way. Um, It's important that you are in good health and that you come to school with all that energy and enthusiasm because when you're off, it kind of sets your room off. So if you're not taking care of yourself and getting rest and and doing things to help yourself, you're not going to be there in in the best form that you can. And, And my students deserve that. Any student deserves to come to school and have a teacher that's engaged and enthused and excited and fun. Um, that's not just like tired and worn out. So um, that's been a struggle for me. I've, I've always chose work 
And um, sometimes I don't think of it as work, but there, that's something I've had to learn along the way is, is I need to take time for myself. Um, some other things I would say is don't, don't worry about what your colleagues say as advice um, that you need, you know, if you're the only teacher in the whole building that's coming dressed in a monkey outfit for the day for a lesson that you're teaching, it's for the kids. Remember that the whole idea, the whole reason you went into teaching is for the students, for the kids, at least the overall theme for me is that too. And I would say um, sometimes colleagues can um, be kind of rough along the way. Uh, it just depends. So you want to be careful that you stay true to you. And if, if that's what's best for kids and that's what's going to make the lesson engaging or memorable, um, risk doing it for the sake of the students and not so much worrying about those others around you that could, you know, they do lift us up, but there can be some that can be um, negative at times. So you want to be careful that you, you stay true to who you are and, and to your students. And um, I think those are the best pieces I can come up with. Those are, those are, those are pretty solid. Uh, I want to, it's, it's funny, you know, on episode 30, Adam, welcome, uh, sort of echoed the same thing as the, is remembering that, it's not about the adults. It's not about the teachers. It's about the kids. And schools right. were ma schools are created for kids and helping kids, not so that we can have jobs. And yeah. you just echoed it the same way. And I love that, that that you went that way. And the other piece about take care of yourself is so so important. It's so so crucial to have yourself taken care of so that you can be the best you can be for those kids. So two awesome pieces of advice, Barb. Love it. Well, being able to find your people is so important. I mean, while the colleague down the hall may not be completely supportive of all the craziness going on in your classroom that you're doing for your students, go find somebody who can bring you up and cheer you on. Because I know that all the wacky days we were able to do <laughs> uh, together, Barbara, whether we were dressed up or something, it was always fun, regardless of what was going on, to have a good giggle with you telling you about the crazy stuff going on in my classroom and having you say, oh, wow, that sounds like a great idea. I mean, that positivity, being able to share that with like-minded educators, whether they be in person with you in your building or on social media, find your network. Absolutely. Yeah, once you find that, it's gold, lifting each other up and find, and, and sharing ideas. That's, that's what we need. And once you do find that, it's like, a well-oiled machine. You just keep going and things are fantastic and you learn from one another and collaborate. And it's just, it's really good. And, and don't let the other side of that um, deter you from what you, what you want to do, be true to you and, and, and the kids so that the kids are, are still utmost and in, in priority when you think about lesson design and what you need to accomplish so that you don't get bogged down and kind of lose your way. All right, Barb, we're going to do the next six questions, but you have 15 seconds or less to answer. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. What is one ed tech tool that you cannot live without? Flipgrid. What is uh, one book that you are reading right now? The Worst First Day, Bullied While Desegregating Central High by Elizabeth Eckford, Dr. Eurydice Stanley, and Grace Stanley. Uh, who do we need to follow on Twitter today? Oh my gosh. Love Joe Dombrowski, Mr. D times three. And what's the best either YouTube channel or website blog uh, for educators? Huge fan of Ted talks, Ted ed. What's one daily, weekly or monthly routine every teacher should get into. Communicate constantly with parents positively as often as you can. And what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Spend time building relationships with students up front. Before I think we, you start. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I thought I, I was just no, gonna say I think I, I literally think you just set a record for how <laughs> how like I got so excited there I completely ruined it. Like Ray, like on fire right now. Like I she think she did it. the whole thing in fifteen. Minutes. I did. Me too. Like success. boom, 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 boom. I love it. That was great, <laughs> Barb. I, I ruined it. So tell me the best. Finish your whole. Do the whole best best piece of advice again for me. I am going to shut my mouth. No, no, no. You're fine. I I think that you know sometimes at the beginning of the school year you you want to get into your content and you start building some lesson plans and and you kind of like ah, this kids know the expectations. Ah, I don't want to go over the rules. I don't want to do all this. Well. It's important to build that relationship so much up front that later when you're doing all the content, and not to say that I don't do any content in the first week, because there is some, in fact, you know, getting to know you, the speaking and listening, and there's things that are going on uh, behind the scenes while we're getting to know each other and building a relationship. But later, I spend less time with classroom management that my colleagues sometimes will because they dove into a chapter and, you know, oh, they don't need to know the procedures. They're they're in seventh grade. They've got it. And I spend so much more time on that that it's like it pays off. And I think that was one of the best pieces I ever got was, you know, you really need to invest in them and everything else will just go. I, I mean, they know to go to a pencil sharpener and wait till someone's not speaking. I, I don't even have to like, it's just like it's a fine way of getting them to do the procedures and expectations because now we care about each other and it's a family and they want to do well and we want to help each other. And it's not all this reteach, reteach. And remember the, the expectation. I mean, we just, you got it. And I think that's a powerful part is that you really need, the relationships are key. You just absolutely need to get those. Really lays the foundation for that culture that you're trying to build in your class and that culture, mm-hmm. like you said, of family and of working together and, and growing. Love absolutely. It. Yeah. I'm actually really glad that I messed up and made you repeat it because you got to go a little <laughs> further into it. And that was golden. So good job, Jeff. Um, no, it was great. Nice work on those. Thanks. <laughs> so I have maybe one of the most important questions for you, and it's just how people can connect with you. Would you mind sharing how teachers can continue the conversation, ask more questions about your classroom, learn more about your story, look up that title that you just said that sounded like a great book title that we just flew past and we pretended like we had the stopwatch when really that sounded like an awesome book. So uh, that book is from the Little Rock Nine. Uh, Elizabeth Eckford is that iconic uh, young lady in the photo that is she's trying to get into the school. And um, she came to Galesburg and did a presentation at the Orpheum and she wrote this book. So I was intrigued. And um, of course, I'm working behind the scenes and in December 10th, she'll be at, at my school. So I, I rallied troops to get it funded and um, I wouldn't stop until we, I've been working on it since probably the end of September, um, trying to get it so that she can come now. All the area seventh graders will be able to hear her speak. Um, but the book is amazing. I, I'm almost finished. And uh, it's just it has so many good things about bullying and and then, of course, that piece of history. So it just fits really well. And how amazing that students will have the opportunity to hear her speak about her journey through being a part of the Little Rock Nine. So um, that's why I was currently reading that book as well. And I've worked really hard to get her to come to Galesburg, come back. And so she'll be back on December 10th. So I'm really looking forward to that. So I apologize. But that was that long title because I've been reading it and working in thinking about the curriculum that I want to tie with it and how I'm going to get students prepared for her presentation. So I'm pretty excited about that. 
Barb, before I go into you go into the connecting with you, because obviously that was the que- connection or question I asked you. Sorry. Um, no, I actually want to go back to what you said. Um, for our listeners out there, Barb does an incredible job fundraising, collecting funds to make innovative projects happen in a community that lacks funding. And Barb, I know you're too humble to really talk about it, but she has raised thousands and thousands of dollars and she takes none of it, puts it all towards her kids and has created countless incredible experiences, whether it be speakers or sending students across the country to compete in competitions. She has just committed wholeheartedly to collecting funds for her students and making experiences that they would have never been able to experience happen. Um, And so for those of you who are very supportive of students learning soft skills in the classroom, she has an amazing uh, event that she does where students participate in a amazing shake. It's actually something that um, it's, it's going on nationally, but she does an incredible job doing it in her community in Galesburg, Illinois, and students compete around the district. They all um, practice soft skills, handshakes, eye contacts, handling pressure, um, handling questions under pressure, I guess is a better way of saying that. And they're collecting funds to send those students to compete in a national competition in Atlanta. If you are at all supportive of this, please get in contact with Barb as she talks about her contact information because they are looking for people out there to continue to support these soft skills and students competing in Atlanta. It would be an awesome opportunity for you to get involved. Thank you. Um, you can connect with me on Twitter at Baker, J-A-W-E-S-O-M-E Baker, B-A-K-E-R. Same sort of handle for Instagram, Jossam Baker. My website is bbaker7, all lowercase, .weebly.com. And you can just look me up on Facebook, and it's just under Barb Baker. I do tend to post some things about my classroom there, too. Um, but a lot of the stuff goes on my website, as well as Instagram and Twitter. And you know you can find all the links, all the resources, everything we've talked about in this episode over at teachbetter.com, as well as those really important links to connect with Barb and all those different ways that she just mentioned. Um, so make sure you head over to teachbetter.com for all of that. Be sure to please hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. And if you can give us a rating and review, we truly, truly appreciate that as well. Barb, really appreciate you coming on sharing your your experiences with us from your journey and having some fun with us laughing a little bit and goofing around we really appreciate you taking the time and uh just really thank you for coming on thank you for having me i appreciate it and until next time let's get out there and let's teach better 